Hello there. Hello there, sir. How's not, it going? Not too bad. We we have we also have success. I do not have to tap the screen every three seconds. Well, wonders oh. never cease. That is phenomenal. Right. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, I'm. It's the some of the best news I've had today. I was expecting to fight it. <laughs> I was expecting for you to have to fight it. Yeah. What's an anti? Like we're we're not doing anchor ads. What's an anti anchor ad? <laughs> I mean, I feel that's what we're doing. <laughs> I feel like we're having a. I mean, this is a good start to the show, right? Like people are going to enjoy hearing the fact that we don't hate anchor again for the moment to so. this week. Yeah, that it's this it's week, back. Yeah. I have like to be honest knew. with you. I was. I'm, I'm sitting here Googling. Um, did you know, do you remember the Star Wars Action Fleet series? Do, do you remember this yes. by chance? I think so. Like the uh, the miniature version of the, the large ships and uh, the Star Wars Galaxy. Like Micro Machines, but not yeah. Micro Machines. Um, they brought that back. They're calling it Micro Galaxy. And no, of course they it it has a uh, it has the Razor Crest micro galaxy ship, and I'm looking at it, and I'm having I'm having a hard time not pulling. <laughs> well, then don't yeah, look up Shatterpoint have... because uh-oh. they're what? doing. Uh oh, did we lose it? No, I got you. Can you I'll hear go. me? Yeah, okay. don't don't look up Shatter. That was another piece of news from like last week, I think, that I had forgotten about. Was the new the new miniatures game called Shatterpoint? Uh oh, and is that um? I mean, what is that all about? I, I haven't heard anything it, about that. So you have you have like the Star Wars Armada, Star Wars X Wing. Uh, this is like a skirmish miniatures game, and you have the the crowd that was into Imperial Assault, which I I have some Imperial Assault. They have a certain diameter, like or a certain uh, scale that they use. Okay. Then they came out with Legion. They said. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, this Imperial Assault's great, but we're gonna we're gonna do something to compete with Warhammer ish, like capture the Warhammer audience. So we're gonna have slightly different scale, and scales matter greatly in miniature gaming. Yeah, like, you remember playing the the Armada a couple times with me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, scale matters greatly. So they did Legion, which is like, hey, sorry, can't use any of your Imperial Assault stuff to play this game. Got to buy all new stuff, brand new stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now they have a new miniature skirmish game called Shatterpoint. That take take a guess what scale it's at. Slightly different than not a matching scale. That is correct. Mm. <laughs> so so now you will be at an entirely different scale for this one. Why would you match when you could make people buy all? Oh the yeah. Tips? Yeah, um, you gotta you gotta buy all the new stuff at all the times. Um, so. So I will not. I did not buy into Legion. I also will not be buying into Shatterpoint. But the miniatures look so fucking sweet. <laughs> they look good. So so I'm like, man, there's there's like a Ventress mini that's in this like really cool pose that would look just just incredible if it was you know painted upright and all that stuff. Um, so naturally, they have they have piqued my in interest but they do not have my dollars <laughs> because 
who can afford to keep up yeah. with 900 different miniature systems? I mean, at no some one. point, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is where you have to start becoming a discerning collector. Is yeah. you, you have to, you know, you're going to have to self-select on some things, as we like to say. Um, oh, wow. Indeed. This is beautiful. I am. Yeah, I shouldn't have done this. I really shouldn't have done this because I like this a lot. You looked at Shatterpoint, didn't you? I did. <laughs> they so, are they are gorgeous little miniatures. <laughs> so Asmodee and Atomic Mass Games uh-huh. announced on November 9th that it'll be coming in June 2023. Okay. Yes. So Atomic Ma- Atomic Mass is they took over for like all of the Star Wars Armada and Star like all those properties. They have taken over and they've done like they added on Clone Wars to Armada, like they they did all that kind of stuff. Um, they added Clone Wars fleets, they added Separatist fleets, uh, and that I mean I got I got off the train when they went to version two, which they said they would never do, and they would never make everything obsolete, and you could always use this stuff. And then they said, oh, actually we're gonna have a version two, and we're gonna have an upgrade pack, and there's gonna be a, it's gonna be a whole thing. And I was like, all right, well, um, fuck y'all, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. I mean, it's only like thirty bucks. So when it goes on sale, I'll probably have it. But I'm still. If I find the right buyer, trying to sell my fleet is again discerning collector. <laughs> but yeah, those are those are pretty sweet. They're they're only like the actual or characters. It's not like ships or anything like that. I'm sure they'll end up with. Oh yeah, I mean that some be... sort of like I... you know, ground level ship Possibly. kind of thing. There will be ship. I mean. That's that's the thing, right? I mean, like that's that's the problem, I guess, is that like I mean, I got into Armada. I I mean, I think we've talked about this. I like the ships. I am a ship yeah. guy. Like I like to have them. And I got in on Armada late. I actually just bought the uh, Mon Calamari Cruiser uh, this week because it's a cool ship, <laughs> and it was on and it was on sale. It was on sale, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, no, that this is. What a way to start the show. Well, welcome to House of Terror. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, welcome. I'm all, distra- the... I'm all distracted and discombobulated because I don't have an anchor to rage at this week. <laughs> uh, I did a little uh, <laughs> post-Thanksgiving uh, version of yeah. House of Nerd. Taking a little stroll down Rick's Road. Absolutely. Um, since, and I'm going to get this out of the way early, um, I promise I will I will get on, I will get on track here, I promise. Um, but, uh, did it? I I know you will get this, but did it bother you at all the name of Rick's Road at all? Like, I'm just curious if I'm the only person who thought about the the specific name of this road, um, and why it might bother you. It. I mean, I don't. I don't care. I, okay. Do you no. know why why it might bother me? Um, I I do. I do indeed. And it and it brings you back to those days before we could you know defeat our in-state rivals beat florida uh, <laughs> the university of florida on a friday night um yeah no so um, good suck it that was um <laughs> that's the only thing that i'm gonna i'm gonna i mean just for anybody who's listening to this that doesn't know i mean i think i've probably said before over and over uh i am a florida suck state it, florida fan <laughs> uh, university of florida and florida state played this week florida state emerged the good guys florida. won they did indeed um and afterwards, my wife and I went on the football field. It was, it was, uh, we did not get Quite home nice. like almost 3 a.m. on Friday night. Um, it's very nice. It was, we drove back from her, her, we spent the family, the week in Orlando with her family and drove back 
Friday, got back to Tallahassee around three. So the game was at seven. So we had a few hours to breathe. And then my mom came over because um, she did not get to spend time with her grandson on Thanksgiving. She spent came over, mm-hmm. babysat. Um, and my wife and I went to the football game and it was it was awesome. It was uh, it was an experience. Yeah. I, I've heard it was a good game. It was. I'm taking it from that that you did not by chance stay up to watch the game. Um, um, I had to put a tiny human <laughs> down to sleep. My so t- I, I yeah. did not. My tiny human did not sleep at all last week because he was out of his out of his uh, comfort zone, out of his routine, you know, and uh, we got him home and uh, he is just now starting to get back to back to normal, which is much good. much appreciated um, because he needs to return to normal <laughs> taste. Um, yeah, get we, it together. Kid. We're not doing a lot of sleeping over here, um, but you're not doing a lot of sleeping over there. So. Never. <laughs> uh, I do have a little bit of news before we dive in on um, on Andor. Do you want to start? Um, do you want to start with some Indiana Jones news this week? Sure, sure. Let's okay. uh, let's do that. All right. So, um, <sighs> Indiana Jones Five, uh, the upcoming sequel fourth sequel to the the well i guess this is the part of the second series um i don't know if they i'm not a huge indiana jones fan the way i am with star wars but i enjoy them i think they're great um but uh you know uh you may or may not know phoebe waller bridge um from fleabag which is a phenomenal phenomenal on amazon it was it was pretty good um she is going to be according to empire magazine uh, she will be playing Indiana's goddaughter, Helena, in the movie. That's um, amazing. So I hadn't seen that news. So director James Mangold de- describes Helena as slippery, charming, charming, and the girl next door if she were a grifter. Um, <laughs> and Harrison Ford says that Her- uh, Helena is a pioneer in ethical accounting, which to me sounds like... <laughs> uh, I mean, look. I have a great appreciation for these movies. I think it is. I'm not like a fanboy for Indiana Jones, but they are fun, and it's a fun like action adventure movie. I would very much appreciate if we, you know, moved in the Indiana uh, Jones universe the same way we moved in Star Wars universe. You know, giving new characters a chance to grow on screen. Yes, uh, I think. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure. You know, Harrison Ford has already been like, "This is this is the end." I think so the I, news the news that I saw was that they are having a significant amount of trouble uh, with him. Finding, with, no, with uh, with test audiences in the ending, like nobody is happy with the endings, mm. and they're running into all kinds of trouble. And I I don't know how do you I'm, land that? How do you land that ship? I mean, yeah, no, that's that's tough. Like. <sighs> That's not like I don't I don't know I don't know how you're supposed to. So I'm just I, I'm just hoping that that they that they will that it'll I'll go in and I'll just come out going ah that didn't have anybody swinging through the trees on vines like a d- fucking superhero apparently um, with the monkeys and there were no aliens. So I mean I guess my bar is pretty low. <laughs> I mean, to, in all fairness, I mean, I thought the the bit with the aliens. I think that was was that Crystal Skull. Is that what? Yes, that was, that's the one I'm alluding to. 
uh, usurping the previous least favorite, which was Temple of Doom. But now that I watch it more, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm I'm good with I'm good with Temple of Doom, especially in light of the nonsense that happened in in the the failed passing of the torch previously. I think that I mean I think that they tried to pass the torch. If I remember right, it was Shia LaBeouf that they it were was to pass the torch to. I they, mean they did, and uh, and much like much like a particular uh, butt fumble. Yeah. <laughs> That is, that is, I think the best analogy that I have for this was just like, just what, what's a sports moment that you think of when you think of shit the bed and the butt fumble, I believe is one <laughs> of those moments that, uh, that just like, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on like Buckner level because that dude, I mean, he, he's good. Yeah. But I like him, it just, yeah, just one, one rough, rough bounce, but mistake anyone could Bud fumble come on man come on was it mark sanchez right yes that is yeah. mark sanchez that's a deep cut sir yes. i'm thoroughly impressed by that thank you um, that's, that's what we do here well i mean look i mean i i don't know i have i had literally this is the first news i've seen about indiana jones um you know for number five if this is a potential for the series moving forward with you know phoebe waller bridge i mean I want to see the movie before I get, you know, excited about it or get to buy into it. Um, But it's like, it's like any great, you know, series. It's like the, for the fans of, you know, the more spy thrillers, the, the, the Tom Clancy series, right? Like you have to, it doesn't matter what the story is. It matters about the quality of the story. I think Um, it's like what star Wars is doing with Andor. It's like what Marvel is trying to do with, you know, phase four and phase five and phase six of of marvel it's hard i mean people grow to love i mean you love harrison ford's indiana jones right and and these movies were made in the 80s and the 70s i think i mean they're older 80s these characters are aging out and having to hand off the hand it off to new people is hard it is not easy and sometimes you fumble Mm -hmm. that handoff um eventually someone else has got to take got to take the reins you can't have the same guy same guy telling the stories forever you can't have the same skywalker Skywalker can't save the day you know for 70 years like he's just he's too old at this point he's Um, got a lot he's got blue milk to chug he's got shit to do that's look i mean i just i saw this news i saw the picture of her um there's there is a promo star uh promo pick with the um with the actual little story here from empire magazine it looks cool i'm not gonna lie i'm i am i'm excited now i did not know i did not see the news with her and i think that will be an an absolute delight i think it could be i think it has possibility so moving on uh a little bit uh do you want to dive into marvel really quickly for a brief little interlude here i Um, do I think you might like this. Um, got two couple, two stories here about Marvel, and then we will um, we'll jump into Andor. Um, so, uh, according to Film Insider Daniel at Daniel RPK uh, via ComicBook.com, so you know, take this, consider the source. Um, <laughs> Marvel is purportedly casting a actor to play the character of Hyperion. Um, so Hyperion is Marvel's version of superman 
if Superman were evil. Um, and a- allegedly, um, they are looking at a Ryan Gosling, Ale- Alexander Skarsgård type character. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know what Ryan Gosling or Alexander Skarsgård are doing, but I feel like they probably have the inside track for, for this role. If, Especially if they're being called out by name on it. Yeah. Um, or, or they're like, please, please. We'd really like, I mean, let's, let's test the waters with this, with this story on this slightly reputable site. And then we'll. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think this is, I think that could be something that is, is happening. Um, is they're kind of floating this out. I don't immediately hate the idea. Um, I mean, so just a little bit of back backstory about Hyperion. Hyper- isn't he supreme power? He is. He is. Okay. Superman. Um, he is from an alternate Earth. Um, so the he's a he's a Marvel Comics you know guy. Like he first appeared in the Avengers in 2012. So he's not super old. Um, and he is not you know he Maybe doesn't. It's not have who like, I'm thinking of. He doesn't have like super, super tons of backstory to draw from, but he does have 10 years plus of, of back backstory. Um, he's part of in the comics. He's part of a, a, a squad called Squadron Supreme. OK, that. Is, yeah, no, that is what I'm thinking of, like Squadron Supreme yeah. and Supreme Power. And yes, yeah. I have all of those. Um, uh, he, they're, they're good. He is the um, he is an eternal. Right. So he comes to from another universe. I mean, much like our Eternals. And, and I feel like I put him more up with Homelander than Superman. <laughs> I don't think that that's a bad comparison. Honestly, I really don't think that's a bad comparison. But, I mean they they had a they had a Marvel Max series. With yes. Him. So that's that's the one that I'm that my brain is drawing from currently. I mean, he looks like he looks kind of like Homelander a little bit. Yeah. Um. I mean, so they've already got someone ready to cast if he can stay out of jail. I and mean, stop ass- stop assaulting waitstaff. Assaulting waiters, waiters, and I think it was Ibiza or Spain or somewhere like that. I think Spain. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's it's very like you don't even have to squint your eyes. This is this is an alias to Superman, right? Yeah. He, he's an alien. He comes to Earth. He's raised by a human. He becomes a teacher. Um, you know, the human teaches him about morals and and you know, how our society is supposed to run. So I could very much see this being, you know, that he's the foil for the Thunderbolts. Um, you know, they have to teach him how to be, you know, like eventually we turn him a real boy. Exactly. Right. They would teach him how to be, you know, a a part of human part of this earth. Um, you know, I, I could see this, I could see this being something they draw on from, you know, the, the fact that we have a multiverse first now i think this could be very cool to to have him here um the footnote he does have a very interesting story about destroying the um kingdom of atlantis so you know that's a story huh. that could be told um, yeah i haven't seen um that movie yet but i do know that there is a particular lord that shows up there is a a specific. Um, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a mystery. I think that was actually in the trailer. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. Yeah, it was. Um, but I just uh, didn't want to. I didn't want to go any yeah. into any spoiler territory. Yeah, I, I will stay simply at, at saying that Namor is a character that appears. Um, and yeah, we'll, that there is there is opening for that to be I, a story I, that is told. I think it's got. I think it's got the possibility, right? Like, I think it's, there's a lot of, I mean, like 10 years of lore, 10 years of squadron Supreme. 
and I'm not going to dwell on this too long. I mean, this is this is a report. It's out there. We're, we're going to you know, talk about it, but I don't know that certainly nothing written in stone, nobody cast, no you know confirmation or anything of that nature. But um, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that's uh, that's the story. So. I do. I do also. I, I don't. I guess I don't have Disney-related news, but I'll, but just a, a plug and a hope. Uh-huh. Um, it is tangentially Disney-related since Disney did indeed just pork away Pinocchio, um, and there is a new version of Pinocchio that I have been just salivating for because really? I I absolutely adore Guillermo del Toro. Like oh. he is an he is an absolute just master at movie at filmmaking at storytelling um and he has a pinocchio story that has been trying to get off the ground forever i a side note i really really need at the mansions of madness to come out so another plug for that uh, <laughs> that he has been trying to get for like get off the ground that's like the the thing that he's been trying to do for 20 years kind of thing um, but there's a pinocchio and the early results are that it is an absolute masterpiece like that it is so good and i am i am dying to see this movie like i i'm about halfway through cabinet of curiosities mm-hmm. um and that, that has been aaron proper uh, property the what aaron makey property uh, cabinet no of it is a netflix um it's like a an anthology so it's a horror movie anthology that's kind of curated by Guillermo del Toro and it is it is so far delightfully twisted and just just great um absolutely loving that as well I could see it so like he he did Hellboy um with Ron Perlman he did Hellboy and then Hellboy and the Golden Army Mm -hmm. uh and much much wanted to uh do a third one with ron perlman and instead they went with um hopper and while i while i didn't mind that hellboy um because i didn't watch it as like a fan of you know hellboy i was just like all right i I was i could turn my brain off and enjoy it but if i looked at it with any critical eye i'm like this was fucking garbage uh anyway guillermo del toro also wrote pan's labyrinth which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I never got into that. It always, oh my goodness! It always confused me. Oh, not, well, I mean, you have to read it. Yeah. So that's that's one of the big the big thing people from it. But if you can get past the reading, it is it is glorious, like an amazing modern fairy tale. Here's another old one called uh, Devil's Backbone. Kronos is another one that he has done. I am. I love him and I would love to, I cannot wait to see Pinocchio, uh, which is, which is strange, but also Pinocchio is a really fucked up story. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, it, it's nothing like, you know, Jiminy Cricket and Disney and like, Oh, and everybody turns out good in the end. And we have, we got swallowed by a whale like that. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Disney versions of this story that are really, really good. Yeah. I don't know how close it sticks to the original story, but I know the original story is super fucked up. Uh, Anyway, very excited for that. It comes out uh, on Netflix in December, um, like uh, around Christmas time. So perfect for a fucked up dark story about a a wooden boy who hangs himself. Uh, I mean, 
<laughs> Wait, so spoilers? Go watch a dark, uh, dark Netflix uh, show. Yeah. And so, everything will be- just, just want to put that that plug out there because it's tangentially related, at least to nerd stuff. Absolutely, uh, it is. Um, and that's a good transition since you're you're talking about uh, Disney related items. Um, <laughs> is this the story I sent you? Like moments it, after it, it happened. Moments is. after we stopped recording, last, like literally within the hour, we stopped recording last week. And I believe this is that story. Um, oh, is this uh, Bob Iger is now it is now in charge? Uh, Our old friend Bob has returned with a with a hefty pay raise. I just saw his turn on the problem with uh, John Stewart, and delightful, <laughs> absolutely delightful. I, I think this is good news, right? Um, so what, what we're referencing, this is a Reuters.com report. Uh, literally, literally hours after we finished recording last week, um, 9-11 p.m. on November 21st, um, Disney has replaced Bob Chappick, um, who became the CEO in uh, February of 2020, I believe, um, with Bob Iger, who was replaced by um, Mr. Chappick. Um, so... It's basically they're just hitting the reset button on um, on who's in charge. So yeah, they're like this didn't work. Yeah, Iger, who was the chief executive for 15 years, um, is replacing uh, Bob Chappick, who took over February 2020. Um, so Chappick, you know, really never really had a chance with. COVID. <laughs> um, kind of feels like maybe, you know, maybe Bob didn't necessarily get a fa- fair shake. Um, but but to be fair, um, the stock price of Disney has sunk 40% this year and is 7% behind where it is year to date. Um, it is has lost almost a full third of its value while Bob <laughs> was in charge. Um, oh, wait, and, you mean it wasn't Kathleen Kennedy's fault? And I mean, let's be real. The entire world is kind of in an economic, like, you know, weird Weird position. I mean, I don't know about you if you've checked your 401. Yeah, we're in a strange space right now. My 401k is, you know, up and down. It's very schizophrenic. Um, oh, I don't look at that. But I, I, I look at it. I had to look at it recently for for something with the house, and I just said, I'm gonna close that. And and that <laughs> this is depressing. Um, Goodbye. <laughs> but the the reason I'm bringing it up is because he. I mean, there was a story on ABC's uh, Start Here podcast where they're talking about. You know, why is it that, that his Disney is hemorrhaging Jake Cash? And of course, you know, you can blame COVID. You can blame, you know, park revenues uh, are down because of the, you know, extended or period. You could blame traffic. <laughs> you could. You could do that. Um, and you could blame that some of the decisions that were made, um, potentially not the best. I mean, potentially. Like, let's I mean, open uh, up a multi billion dollar hotel <laughs> and charge people five grand a night to go. Or a trip uh, or whatever. I, it's like some obscene amount where you can have like all the, the rich people and influencers show up and, uh, and do things, but literally nobody else. It was a very let them eat cake moment. Yeah. Uh, and I <laughs> First thing he did, I think, was come in and say, hey, we're going to start doing some bundle deals on this thing. <laughs> um, I think that it, it you could read it that uh, Mr. Iger didn't necessarily agree with Mr. Chappick um, because... Literally, his first act as CEO was to offer a 30% discount um, on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser if you're a member of the Disney Vacation Club. Um, So if you have their, you know, if you're part of their vacation club, you could potentially afford to go to the Star Cruiser um, 
and they're allowing people to use like points that you earn on your credit card. It's, it's yeah. ways to let people actually go and experience it instead of just watching an influencer go through it on TikTok and go, man, that was awesome. I Like I bet it is. <laughs> I mean, it would be awesome if I could go. Yep. Um, so I'm glad somebody got to go, but I will say that I was <laughs> kind of tired of seeing all these people be like, this is so cool. This is great. Yeah. I'm Love it. They let me come for free. And I'm like, you post videos where your kid, you pretend to be your kid. Why do you get to go to this and not me? Um, yeah, you don't yes, even like Star Wars. Yes, it's not I like you have salty. a podcast or anything. Um, I am very salty about this, but uh, yes, but also very glad that now maybe yeah. maybe it someday, maybe someday we will get to go. I'm not a Disney Vacation Club member. I'm not intending to be a Disney Vacation Club member. Member. Oh, I mean, when we start our Patreon and our, our lovely fans send us so that we, right. too, can post videos and then talk about it on here. <laughs> you guys, this is so cool. It was so great, man. You're wish you could have been there. You're going to love it. Sucks to suck. <laughs> on that note, are you ready to dive into Rick's Road, sir? Let, um, let's, take, let's take a trip. Let's take a stroll down Rick's Road. Which um, I... I I do it before we go. I, yeah. I remember we talked a lot at the beginning of this season about how amazing it was and how people are fucking wrong if they don't think that the show is amazing. And I think it's interesting now that that this is, you know, come out. And now the vast majority of the articles that I'm seeing are like, Andor is a masterclass in storytelling. It is one of the best Star Wars properties to ever exist. And I'm like, have you guys been listening to our podcast? Because we have been crowing about this for that's all we're asking for for some time. Yeah, just drop us a little at just so we know that you're listening. Yeah, Um, let let us know that you you've listened to our podcast and that you you do agree because you have like some like I forget who it was like one of the rage the rage inducing like youtube channels that was that was like andor is the worst it's terrible it's awful like all like all this stuff like you know for 25 minutes on youtube oh, and uh, yeah and then it, yeah. and then he goes oh yeah i've only seen the first three episodes well get fucked <laughs> dude you gotta watch the whole thing like that's how this story is told and this was absolutely masterful um, don't worry. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about him in oh. particular, okay. uh, because he um, is wrong. He did <laughs> in... this week that I think has kind of kind of exposed him a little bit on the internet, and people weren't necessarily having it. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. Well, you know what? Let's do, just do that now because you brought you open the door. <laughs> um, you're talking about a guy who goes by the name or the handle of Star Wars Theory. Um, oh, is that who it is? I have. Yes. I, I just. I refused. I just saw a link to his video and like this locked thread on Star Wars fans that was like 350 comments before they were like, "All right, this is toxic," and uh, he got what he needed out of it. <laughs> so, so he his brand, if you will, is to be the Star Wars academic, right? Like he's yeah, the, Jesus everything, and I mean, I look. I know sometimes. You know, we kind of do that thing where we're like deep cut and I'm like, oh, that's Kevin J. Anderson's, you know, uh, Young Jedi book or whatever. That's not this podcast. I, I think that everybody, um, everybody gets that. I mean, if you've listened to us longer than five minutes, like we talk about <laughs> things that matter to us. Right. Um, and that's that, it. <laughs> yeah. Things that, that like hit our nostalgia. 
Um, and sometimes that is, you know, Kevin J. Anderson's Young Jedi series, or sometimes that's, you know, uh, the Kyle Katarn from a Star Wars video game or Corin Horn from a book that I read, you know, 25 years ago. Um, but this guy pretends or, or, or proclaims himself to be the end all know all like he knows every every look every glance every character every droid like he has <laughs> built a brand around being that guy to have host a show and explain to you um you know why this character matters and that kind of thing if that's your cup of tea go for it like when i was 18 and i had that kind of time that would have been right up <laughs> yeah this would have been perfect i don't have that time anymore um and, and i am I am a fan of, I want to watch the show. If I like it, I want to enjoy it. If I don't like it, I'm not going to watch it. Um, but That's a weird concept. Can you do that? <laughs> so Star Wars Theory posted a video this week. Um, and his main kind of contention about this episode, which um, let me just you know get it out here now, I fucking loved. Um, yeah. This was an amazing episode. If, his- if we were in Varsity Blues, it'd be a fucking tan. <laughs> It's a tan. It's a tan. Um, His contention was with Marva and becoming a brick. Um, Marva's, you know. That's a weird place to take a stand. It is. (laughs) But his contention was, is that Star Wars is not about bricks. It's not about screws. It's not about. uh, (laughs) Oh, now I know what that post is about. Okay. That makes way more sense. Um, And I look, I watched like five. That's so funny. It's just a guy, just because you have a microphone, I don't feel like you sometimes need to necessarily have your opinion heard. (laughs) Sometimes your opinion is... It's a funny thing to say. I fully acknowledge because I'm a guy with a microphone giving you my opinion. Um, Yeah, but but we're right. (laughs) His argument is that Star Wars is better when it's lightsaber lightsaber fights and Darth Vader and Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn and Luke Skywalker... Mm -hmm. And that's the story. Heartily, heartily disagree. Um, and that's what the internet told him this week. Yeah. Was, You're wrong. Um, there is room for everything in the universe. If you don't like it, go watch something else. Yeah. Um, As George Carlin would say, um, just turn the knob. But you wouldn't be comfortable with something with a knob on it, would you, Pastor? But he's a guy who I, I, I think. I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an assumption here, um, so this is just me, but I believe he is a guy who, like us, grew up in the '90s, grew up, you know, with the expanded universe, watching, you know, reading those books, those comics, only having, you know, a very small amount of Star Wars. You know, every three months or so, you get a new Star Wars, you know, kind of thing. He has glommed on to to those characters that that story that kind of storytelling um and this new storytelling is not not his jam which like cool have your opinion man but also also that doesn't mean that we can't have an opinion that's different Um, right and that's that's really what it boils down to it's a stupid non-controversy controversy controversy to drive more views to his yeah yeah got it that's what we do as star wars fans is we obsess over things um and you know it 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 had a lot of it i'm sure got him a lot of listens to his podcast and a lot of watches on his youtube like i i want to i I want people to hear what we have to say i mean i don't think we do this if we didn't um 
but I don't want people to hear what we have to say at, at the cause of like shitting on something that I don't believe in or, you know, I'm not going to say we'll shit on what we'll shit on what we want to because not, we believe in it. <laughs> not not the clips. Just to be incendiary. Yeah. Like, I'm going to give you my opinion and, and sometimes my opinion is going to be wrong for you. Um, and that's cool. And you can dis- disagree with me and we'll do it respectfully. Um, but I, I just think that this was unnecessary, uncalled for and frankly stupid. Um, and I know I'm not being respectful right now. I fully get the irony, but um, Scott Campbell can suck it. I don't care. Also, him and Florida. Um, I don't know. Apparently, I watched Psych recently. <laughs> that's, okay. that's what I have on my brain. Yep, that is, that is still a classic. <laughs> um, they put the, all so that. Good. They put that on Amazon Prime, and I need to go back and rewatch that. Oh. It's just. That was the the biggest compliment I got while I was in college. Was you remind me of Sean Spencer? I'm like, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. That like that's awesome. yeah, that's that's the best thing that I think I could have heard. Um, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, now wanna... Rick's Road. All right. So Rick's Road, uh, the twelfth and final episode of Andor. Uh, directed by Benjamin Karen and written by Tony Gilroy. Um, so, premiered um, just a few days ago on November 23rd. Uh, I loved how, I, I love this episode, but I love how they told this story. This felt very much like a Tom Clancy novel at times. It felt like Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. I mean, there was there was all kinds of just beautiful storytelling in this episode. There is a speech that is, I think going to be, I think this is going to spawn many, many hundreds of YouTube videos. Um, (laughs) I'm going to find a way to put that speech in this episode. I don't know where, but I want to listen to it again. Um, And I, I just, I adore this episode. I adore how we ended things. I hate the fact that we have to wait two years before we get more Andor. Um, that yeah, is an like I want to do this again next week. Like, how do we how do we do this again next week? <laughs> it's an obscene amount of time um, to have to wait for uh, more more Andor. Um, I know, I know, Snark. Normally, we do this like where we'll tell you know character by oh, character, straight up sequential. Okay, I I do think this episode because last week we moved the pieces into place. I think this week we're going to tell sequentially. Um, I I just, I don't know. I, I guess the start with, um, I guess we start with Deidre coming to Ferrix, um and her storyline. I really liked the fact that we got a little bit more establishing shots of Ferrix this time. I mean, I know it's a minor thing, but seeing like the Lambda and the shipyard, I thought that was cool to kind of give us a little bit more, like, we're starting to see more classic trilogy ships, right? And I think like we're starting to see the Empire kind of take on a little bit more of of the Empire that we know. Um, the yeah, look. it's it's the what they're what they're going or what we know them to be, not not just you know still the Clone Wars ships. And I think that phasing out has been very interesting. Like throughout the different properties, it's been right. very interesting to see them slowly kind of phase out or or modify. And it you can it makes it makes sense like you can see oh okay that design choice was here and it's you know the evolution of this car it's like oh now we have the you know the the new year's model right or it's been adapted based on 
based on a need. Like maybe someone funneled money out of a specific project to fund the Death Star. So we don't really see those. Mm-hmm. I think that it is, it's, that's a, that's a really astute way of looking at that. I didn't think about that, but like we know from the Thrawn books, right. And from rebels that Thrawn, you know, he had his secret desire for the tie defenders. Um, and they kind of, they kind of tangentially tie that into the Death Star by, I, I think there's an episode of rebels where they talk about, you know, Hey, we're going to fund the Death Star instead of the TIE Defender model, right? But I think that, that Rebels... I think it might be in a in the Thrawn books. The Thrawn that, book. it, that it was like part of the... I think it was the one... I think it was the first one where he's with Tarkin, essentially. And they're, they're kind of... Whoever whoever wins this particular Back. assault... Was it, solves this... Uh, solves the mystery of why the shipping... Like was was disrupted in that sector. Whoever solves it gets their project funded, and like political shenanigans and trickery, yeah, occur. And I, Tarkin I, gets his way. I thought it was really well executed, just to see, just to see the way that they did this. Um, and, and I like the fact that I, I'm going to get to it, but I like that this we're getting more context to the rebellion to, you know, they, they're filling in the time and the execution and I don't want to get too far out in front of my skis here. So let's just, let's keep moving. Um, because I do have a, a whole diatribe to talk about when we get to that <laughs> particular scene. Um, but I, I, I find myself still liking Deidre. Like I know Deidre has tortured Bix. I mean, we get a shot of Bix in, in her, uh, in her cell, like Bix has clearly got some emotional and mental problems going yeah. on. Like, but but I still can't help but like root for, for Deidre. Um, you know, the fact that she's very good at what she's doing. Like she's not ambiguous. She's not like, she doesn't waffle. She's just a villain. Like that's right. doing what she thinks is right. Um, or, you know, what, what she and her mind is interpreting as right. Yes. Um, yeah, she is acting according to her values. There you go. That's, she that's... has shitty values, but... but she is acting in accordance with them. So the whole gist of this is that Deidre thinks that Cassian's going to come back to Ferrix for his mom's funeral. Correctly, not wrong. Right? Yeah, he does come back, and, and I, they do a kind of a weird like like cut scene thing where they're they've got a little bit of Deidre, you know, kind of like. I, I like the fact that she's like, I want to walk around town. I want to get a feel for what the, the the environment feels like. Like she knows. I feel like she knows. You know, shit could pop off at any minute. Like, like Marva was a very influential member of Ferrix, um, and, and the way that the Empire has been treating the people of Ferrix is not necessarily. It didn't take a lot to nudge them over over the line. You know, yeah. Like she wants to know. Just to get a lay of the land. That's kind of feels a little like Jetta. Yeah, that's that's a very good uh, analogy. But I, I I did like that they brought back um, the pack, uh, the guy who ran the shipyard, um, or the the the, the sales yard. Remember, he yeah. got pulled in um, with Bix because Bix was using the uh, the antenna in the back to talk to Luther. Right. It took me a minute to realize who that was. Um, and I couldn't help, but like I was questioning what he was building. I assumed bomb that like that was a bomb he was making. You know, he didn't let me down that 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 was a bomb. In fact, <laughs> um, 
Um, but we do get, obviously we get, a um, we get a little bit of Cassian here, um, and that Cassian has returned to Andor. Um, you get the kind of the, the conversation between the character of Nurchi and Xanawan. I, I, I don't think I knew these characters names, um, during this episode. I don't know that I need to know them necessarily, but yeah, I with, agree with how fast this moved. Did you have a hard time remembering names of people? Yes. Like, I was like, like oh, frequent, frequently that. through this, the show. Yeah. I, I could name them or I could like, I could point out and be like, Oh, that's the guy who's like a minor or that's the guy that owed or that Andor owed money to. Right. Like I know that, but I didn't know names. Um, so I had to watch this again and I, I do have the you know official description up so I can help me with those names. Um, I, I want to get your take on this next scene between Mon Mothma and her husband. Um, What is your what is your interpretation of what Mon Mothma is doing here uh, in the car ride with Perrin, um, where she's talking about the gambling debts? Do you have a do you have a perception or a theory about what she might be doing? She she knows the driver's a spy. Like okay, so uh, she's she's I think she's hedging her bets out that if anyone does, like she knows this this four hundred thousand is going to show up somewhere like it it's going to it's going to become an issue. So hmm. it's much better to have that on record. Like, well, uh, you know, she's already going to sold her daughter off sort of not really, but you know, like that's kind of the perceptions that she's sold her daughter off. And by doing that too, like, did she need to like, well, maybe not, but also maybe she needed to have a little bit of, extra extra insurance so by having that guy she knows he's going to go tell him like tell his masters about what their what their conversation was like that's just going to happen and i think she knows that's a foregone conclusion so she's spreading this like gambling debt i i, I almost i almost felt bad for him because it bit. was like it was like you're doing this again which i mean a means it's happened before <laughs> that this is not a this is not a thing that's out of the realm of possibilities for him, but I, I can, I can only imagine just sitting there being like, no, I didn't. I did. I, I swear I didn't do that. And she's we like, have you motherfucker, but it had to look, it had to look real. 
we have all had this fight with our partner or our significant about other. the the spending yeah spending money we everyone has had this argument i don't care what your relationship you've had this this argument of like ben did you buy another star wars toy like no i swear to god i didn't and it's like oh, <laughs> i pre-ordered that like six months ago yeah like you told totally me you do it then. It, it's it's now <laughs> it's made it but i the, yeah is that another kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> in the moment in the moment i 100 was like just looking at her face and i was like she's fucking selling him down the river and, and like i mean to be fair he's done nothing that to like give him redeeming quality so like i don't feel bad for him from that perspective but she and it worked right like it worked 100 percent because we do see that scene later where the, the driver goes to the ISB agent and we, you know, get confirmation that he's been a spy this whole time. Right. And like the empire, I think the ISB agent says like, there's been some weirdness with them moving money around lately. So they already know, right? Like they already know that something's going on, um, but they bought it hook, line and sinker that like, this is what's happening. She's pissed. Like she did the righteous indignation thing very well. Yeah. And it worked. Um, Go to but, Canto Bite and that was do your nice, stuff there. That was a nice little tie. I, I mean, indeed, I, I appreciated that they did that because, again, you're kind of reinforcing, you're reinforcing, you know, things that we've seen in other movies. Canto right. Bite is going to be a thing that we'll we'll know from now on, and I like that. That was that was creative. Um, yeah, so I I think it was. I mean, that's perfectly planned, orchestrated, and executed. Uh, mm-hmm. So in case the money isn't hidden or when they inevitably find it, now there's now there's a direct line and they can just go, oh, yeah, he was gambling, whatever. He's a degenerate gambler, yada, yada. That's why they're moving money around, because you know, maybe we'll try and use that later to you know, get her politically. But it's not what we're it's not what we're looking for. And the, right. I get I was it's kind of sad because she can never tell him like that's what was going on, like she could never have that conversation and be like look like i i know you aren't gambling it's not your fault i had to do that because i'm funneling money to the rebellion like (laughs) you can't really have that conversation with him no because that guy i mean and that's where you don't feel bad for him because you know he would immediately go to the empire and tell on her like he would rat her out in a heartbeat yeah And, and you almost feel bad for him because he is being accused of something he didn't do but and that's other, it. <laughs> that's the only reason you feel, you know, the the slightest bit of remorse or, you know, pity for this guy is that he's actually innocent of this thing, but he's guilty of the other things. So, you know, the pity doesn't go very far. To be, you know, perfectly honest, yeah. it goes, you know, very short. Um, we do get we we move from there to a little bit of a reunion between Val and Cinta, um, which is not necessarily the warmest of reunions between these two um i I contend again that vel is is i mean she i think she's in love with senta but i think it's kind of a wartime romance you know what i mean like it's like we're in the middle of war like i need companionship versus senta who loves vel for you know she's fallen in love with vel yeah you know i I think i could see that i i I think there's more to their story and I am going to reserve judgment on them until we get more to the story and two more years. 
So thanks for that, uh, you know, Andor. But um, I did thought I I thought this commentary moved from that scene to a little bit of Andor, um, kind of you know roaming the streets of uh, Ferex, and, and a little bit. I think the first interaction we see between Andor and his father, um, where he sees the brick that his father was made into or contributed to, um. And, and, you know, he kind of gets that flashback between him and his father talking about um, where his father's showing him that, you know, the machines that have, you know, they're perfectly good machines that could be used, um, but, right. you know, they don't want to be reused because you can be, be sold something new. Um, right. Yeah, kind of like we do. I just had this conversation today about, like, plant obsolescence and this nonsense that we have to go through. And it's that, like the same thing. Like, you're just going to throw it away and buy something new. Batteries and iPhones. Oh, I mean, that's, that should have been a bigger deal, I feel like. Um, and it was for, like, 24 hours. And then... And then the news network moved on. The corporations were paid off. And everyone, except for the consumer... Was it again to go with George Carlin? Whoever said buyer beware was probably bleeding from the asshole. <laughs> probably. Um, I I thought it was interesting that we flash back to Nimick and his manifesto here um, at, at this next little scene. I mean, it, I, I know we're just kind of going scene by scene here, but um, I, I really like I like the character of Nimick. I thought he was a very good. I thought he's a very philosophical kid or young man or whatever. And, and for him to talk about the fact that the rebellion is already happening. It's just that they don't realize that it's happening. Um, and that the, the imperial need for control is unnatural because tyranny requires constant. Like this is, this is straight out of like it feels like it's straight out of the communist manifesto. I mean, no idea. Like it, it definitely feels like that. But he's right. Like, and, and I think that's what this this whole point of this show is to show us is that Luke Skywalker, yes, he stumbles in at the right moment and puts the torpedoes in the Death Star. Yeah. But, but had he not done that, there would have been somebody else in that ship. Right. Like, I mean, maybe the Empire 
maybe the Empire does win at Yavin, right? And they their Death Star, you know, maybe it smashes the rebellion and, and they go on and live for you know hundred more years with the Emperor being in charge. But this but was someone. Yeah, it wasn't gonna stop, right? Like that's what I, I took this as. Um it the the rebellion is natural, it's coming. You can't rule an entire galaxy. You can't rule an entire planet. Like people need to govern themselves. People need to have self determination. Um, I don't know. I just I thought this was a very this episode was very foreshadowy. Like even in the episode, I felt like it was kind of being like, um, "Hey, heads up! Like this is what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> this is this is exactly what's going to happen." Um, I did. I believe like, the more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Exactly. This is not unrealistic. This has all been foretold before. We've seen these stories before. You know that the, the there are smart people in this galaxy, not named Skywalker, Kenobi, Palpatine. You know, like that's the Jedi. Few and far between. The Jedi don't have to do things for people, and I, I like the fact that they're showing that this is not, there's no Jedi here, right? Like Kenobi was a good show. It was a great show. Kenobi had a specific story to tell. Um, right. And I think it, it showed some of the rebellion and some of the, you know, the, the people who are helping the Jedi, you know, escape. And, and we didn't get very much about, you know, that rebel group that helped Kenobi or, you know, the, the people who helped funnel the Jedi away from the empire because that's not their that wasn't their story, right? Like that wasn't what they were trying to tell. This is the story of who are those people flying those speeders, right? Like where did yeah. they come from? How did they find those ships? Um, and it doesn't matter that they're different because, I mean, a little bit they're disposable, right? Like this is a galaxy of people who are going to fight the Empire. Um, you're going to lose people. You're going to yeah, people are going to die. Like it's very realistic, I thought, and that. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm very much waxing poetic. I will try and get it under control. I promise. That's what we do here. If there is po- if there is poetry to wax, we shall wax it. The wax. Um, how do you feel about Deidre kind of spelling out a little bit about her her plan? I thought this was kind of a little on the nose for them to do it, but I I, I appreciated that they told the story of like <laughs> you know he's just like here's what we're gonna do. Um, what'd you think about that? And. I'm fine with it. Like, villain's gonna villain, you know. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Okay, you gotta have, uh, and you gotta have a little bit of it, a little bit of exposition. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's true. I mean, otherwise, people would be able, would say, "I don't understand why this is happening. Why doesn't right. the just smash them and not let them, you know, have their their funeral?" Yeah, um, I did like that. We saw that the ISB went forward um and smashed anto krieger um i like that they didn't even cut to the battle yes right? like it wasn't it doesn't matter it was inconsequential right um, right i i totally agree with that with that decision i know there was and i'm i think i sent you the interview where he was like yeah there was never any question like why would we have him show up out of nowhere just to do that mm-hmm. like there's no there's no point really and he's inconsequential We've already seen that battle. Yeah. That, that was the battle in Rogue One, right? Where they get tied down by the Empire and they, you know, they're losing. Um, like that's, that's, it's the same battle, 
um i i did like how they were also full of themselves and like look what we did we definitely definitely we've gotten rid of the rebellion um but again deidre is like you idiots yeah Um, i wish you would have told me you were doing this (laughs) it would be nice to have someone to question right find out where the rest of them are um and they're like what do you mean the rest of them we got them got them got them baby let's hang up let's hang up uh what is it a a banner from an aircraft mission accomplished exactly we did our job we won We're, we're done here yeah it's over rebellion quashed yay isb exactly um you know we do get we do get luthan arriving on uh ferrix i mean it it just i felt like this was just the you know the the, this particular bit i felt like was to set up for the very end scene of this episode is having luthan here you know he's already got bell he's already got Senta. you know everybody wants can uh cassian but right having him here i don't think i don't think that andor is able to talk Vel or Senta joining the rebellion. I think the only person who lets him do that is is Luthan because he's already made the offer, right? Like way back in like episode three, you know, come join the rebellion. Um, but I think he was doing that just to give him the, it, get him to do what he needed him to do at that point. Like, yeah, okay, maybe he'll we'll recruit him, but he was he was ready to kill him. Like mm-hmm. that's what he that's what he went there for. Well, I guess I I guess it, when they were way back in episode two or three, when they were in that um, when they were meeting to you know barter about the piece of equipment that Andor stole, I kind of assumed that he was trying to recruit him to the rebellion. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I am. Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter either way. Um, yeah. But, you know, the end result is the rebellion. You know, got somebody else to join there to join the rebellion. Um, but we get Luthen, you know, hooks up with Vel, um, hooks up with Senta, um, and they kind of talk about, you know, what's going on and what's going to, what they're going to expect. And it led to this kind of, conf- a little bit confusing for me, um, that like basically the, the funeral was not supposed to start for a couple of hours. And Well, they, they pushed it back, right? Like the Empire said, oh yeah, we pushed it back to two o'clock or whatever it was instead of noon. They don't give a fuck. They're like, okay, fine. We have the road blocked off for this time. We're coming. We're th- this is this is when we do the funeral. So, like, th- yeah, sure. Tell us two o'clock, but this is when it happens. That's what I took from it. Is they said we don't give a fuck about what you have to say about this. Like, we're going to we're going to honor honor our loved one in you know, our tradition. You know, you're probably right about that because I don't think this was a planned rebellion no i don't i I think it was a quiet rebellion i don't think i I think some people may have something i I mean we know we we have the bomb but i i don't think this was yeah i don't i don't think they went okay we're going to go at this time so that we can attack i think this was spur of the moment like between the speech and between just like the show of force like, oh, well, they're here. Well, get out there. Show a force right now. Like, mm-hmm. you stop those protesters. Black lives, do- I mean, yep. these lives don't matter. Yep. That is exactly We are in control. what happened. Uh, and, and- yeah. It, I, I mean, it, it, looked, it looks straight out of the protest, where it's like you have 
unarmed peaceful people just trying to like mourn their dead like it it is so fucking on the nose it's unreal like because that's what a lot of those protests were i would say by vast majority i would say i would leave space for well maybe one so like 99.9 percent of those protests were another member of our community has been murdered by this fascist force who's coming in just to stomp on us because they can and we can't do this anymore and we're just gonna go we're gonna go mourn our mourn our dead but we're gonna show you that we all rally around and we all support our we support this person this person who died i mean i know she wasn't she wasn't murdered but we're we support this person who who has died and they go oh well, there's a lot of them. Show them that we're here and we mean business. And you're like, why the fuck? Just let them like march down the street, dude. Like if you guys had just left them the fuck alone, none of this would have happened. If you had not. So, so, but there's a match waiting to be lit. Not visiting. 
wants to stay. dive fully into this i i did love that b2 emo um is the one to play marva's marva's speech which also makes sense in context of the technology of the universe and like that's sure your droid like that's who you'd record like your your goodbye speech on i like to think that he i i like to think and i don't know that you really can tell it but that marva you know, B2 Emo knew what was in there. I think the the, the big guy, um, and I'm I think I'm blanking on his name again. Yeah. See, why I don't really know the names that well, um, but I think uh, I think his name was oh crap! This is <laughs> this makes really good. We'll get I, there. Think, I think his name is Nurchi. I think he's Nurchi. Um, but. He, I think he knows. Uh, no, it's it's Zanawan. Rail. It's it's Zanawan. There's so many. Um, which hell of a name, by the way. Um, I think he knows what's happening. I think like mm-hmm. they have an idea. Like, you know, this is. I mean, what she's gonna say is incendiary, a- and she does. I mean, she definitely does touch off, touch off. You know, a powder keg, a- and the people there protesting are saying like, hey, you know, like they're. This is 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 borderline going to turn into a riot because they're chanting, you know, the stone in the sky, and she's telling them like, "Hey, you need to wake up! Like, you've gotten so focused on the shit that is happening in your own life, and just you know, existing and just being here, um, that you don't recognize that like tyranny has shackled the entire planet. Like the things that we should be allowed to do. I mean, see, like back again, back in the episode three when we were back on Aldani." Right, like the empire ruined that local custom for those people. How'd they do it? Slowly and quietly. You know, we put pleasure houses along the, their routes so we can. We don't want a bunch of people near the imperial base because this is our base. Like, right, we're stronger than them, so we're going to ruin their local custom. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that again, we're talking about local customs being overridden by a central authority. Right. I mean, it, you don't have to squint too hard to, to draw <laughs> the analogy here of what's happening. But I, I know that the people of, of Ferrix, I mean, we see them. They were this was going to turn into a riot, but this didn't have to turn into what it ended up being, which is just absolute murder being committed and, and the atrocities that the Empire you know, proceeds to you know, to, to commit all the while, like Deidre, you know, she gets a tip um, from one of the, the residents of Ferrix that, Hey, Andor's here. So she's off with the, you know, she doesn't give a shit. She's off with the, the death troopers um, looking for Andor. Um, 
and you know she doesn't necessarily recognize that like oh shit this has gone way off the rails until the bomb gets thrown um and i feel like that was the catalyst for our local imperial commander to be like well fuck this like i'm yeah go and that's what they proceed to do is just randomly fire. I mean, they're just shooting people at this point. Like it's like a shooting. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, Deidre, Deidre does almost get killed. And I thought for a moment that that might happen. Like we might see her, might see her get killed, but um, luckily her, you know, her boy, her stalker, her stalker waiting there for was, you know, like, I don't know if this was a like tacit approval of like stalking sometimes helps the stalky. <laughs> we didn't necessarily talk about it, but um, there was a scene between Cyril and Mosk um, where they are, you know, they arrived on Ferrix um, through the hover bus. And I, I know we see this later after the, the battle, but I kind of almost feel like Mosk is not necessary. I think he's a little shook from what he sees. Like we see him kind of slumped against the wall at the very end of this. I can't help but wonder if Mosk is going to, like, he's been loyal to Cyril. I don't know if he's going to stay loyal to Cyril and the Empire after this. Like, this is, it's hard to, it's hard to watch what is unequivocally murder. Um, like, they just, uh, there's really no other way to, to, you know, to describe what happens. Um, right. Here, the Empire just actively murdering people. Um, <laughs> just wanton murder. I did like, I really did like when that stormtrooper climbs up the bell tower because he's trying to stop like the bell toll guy. And that guy, I don't know what that's <laughs> This doing. is Sparta. <laughs> I don't know what he is doing that he's not like looking up ahead, but like he just like stumbles up the stairs and the, the bell tower guy just boots his ass. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought that would have been a great time to use the Wilhelm scream, which they did. Oh, which that would have been so good. I'm kind of surprised they didn't use the Wilhelm scream there. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I'm moving on. I mean, we, we this explosion and all the Imperials being out on the street allows Andor, you know, meanwhile, he's he's moved from where he snuck in through the sewer, basically. And he was watching this whole equation. His whole thing is he's trying to rescue Bix. And he is yeah. able to rescue Bix out of that hotel. Um, and, and he... I think he kills one uh one death trooper um and gets he gets bix and a couple of the other folks from ferrix um including the kid who throws the bomb they get out to the shipyard um where you know the guy that we met at the very beginning in the shipyard uh, i think his name is pegla is helping you know get a ship prepared for for evacuation it's like a few figures i mean people we know like who's left that's not dead um, they all managed to get on a ship and, and there was a very kind of on, honestly, it felt a little like trailerish for season two where he's explaining to the big guy, the, the, the guy who was holding up his mother's stone, like, this is how you fly, like stay under the radar, get over the ocean. Like, you know, they're not here yet. Go like get gone. Now is the time for you to leave. Um, I think that was the, because he can't do it himself and save everyone. Like he has other things that he needs to take care of. Otherwise, he, he would be the one that's doing that, right? Yeah, I think he he knows his fight is not yeah. over, but these guys need to get away. Um, 
and I think when when Bix, you know, kind of says to them, like Cassian will find us, um, yeah. that's what he does. That to me was the moment of like, well, there's your main storyline, or at least a part of the storyline um, for season two, right? Is Cassian us? Um, well, it, it's we know how Cassian's I, story ends. Yeah, so I I think that could make I, I get even if they they don't ever get back to that that it's like that's the last time we see him. And they're like he'll find us, and then like it makes his story even that that much more tragic that he left like he left all of those people and kept doing these missions and doesn't doesn't make it back yeah that he didn't find he wasn't able to find them because that could be death star i i think that could add a layer of tragedy that could be an intriguing intriguing part of the story um we do see we do see vel kill that imperial spy um which i really liked that moment (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was that was very much a like yes like finally yeah, thank um, God. <laughs> during uh during the like the battle in the city, you know, she's tailing the spy. The spy, you know, was like, What are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. And she just stabs him and stabs yeah. him again. It was violent and it was brutal, but it was it, it I was like it, it plays into the context of when we first see Cassian in like for for our timeline wise. Like when we see him in Rogue One and he you know it has no problem killing people like yeah it plays into that like that this is we're gonna do what we have to do like to defend ourselves like at the end to make to make sure it's not just like it's i feel like it's a subtle difference between saw guerreras like we're gonna do what we have to do and damn who gets in the way this is we're gonna do what we have to do with caution and only in a last resort kind of situation like we're not just going out and like oh fuck he's in the way shoot him like it's yeah. this is it, it it feels a lot more like life is calculated differently for this side of the rebellion it's every every life has a cost and i'm only going to do this because like okay he was on to her like he's wait what are you doing here like okay i've been found out the only way that we keep this a secret, the only way that I make it out of this and we keep this a secret is this death right here. And that one individual dies and that's it. It's the same, it's the same thing. Like that's, it's a calculated cost. It's not just fuck it, lay waste because that's what we got to do. It's not unnecessary bloodshed. It is necessary bloodshed. Right. Um, and, And I think, you know, I think that is the theme that you see there at the end of this episode, right? I mean, it's people doing things, they're holding their noses to do things that, you know, they have to do because they, I mean, it, it fits in very nicely, I think, with what Mon Mothma does, right? There is a scene where she is introducing her daughter to um, the, the blanking on his name right now, um, but the basically the money and launderers. Yes, yeah, the, the crime lord. Um, and I mean, that was, you know, something she definitely doesn't want to do, but she's going to do it because the rebellion, you know, takes precedence, which is, um, it's, it's interesting that she's willing to sacrifice her own daughter, um, for the cause of the rebellion. Um, but I think it shows her dedication to, you know, if I don't sacrifice you, you're going to be lost to the rebellion. You're going to be lost to the empire anyways. So, you know, everybody has to make a sacrifice. This is Lita's sacrifice is she's going to have to be betrothed to, you know, this crime lord's 
presumably despicable son, right? Like he's not yeah. necessarily going to be a good guy. Um, yeah, I mean, who who knows? Or we're we're actually uh, my my dad is here. We're rewatching Game of Thrones after finishing House of Dragon. Nice, and uh, it, it's it feels very much like like that, like the kind of that kind of scheming, like, well, we have to marry these houses together because this and this political reason and this political reason. Yeah. That's what it feels well, like to me. I did really love the post credit scene. Oh, uh, it it I, was just, it was nice. Like there, it, it's, like, it's like a puzzle piece fitting in when yeah. they did that. Um, I like that we got an answer. They didn't leave that particular question out there. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, they're like they're literally building the laser. They make the Death Star. Um, right. And like that's that's fantastic. So I do have that he's literally building the thing that killed him. That kills him. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of tragic you know, tragedy, like tragic irony, I guess, is yeah. maybe the way to say it. Um, but I do have a little bit of 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 post uh, episode or season one here. Uh, oh. 20... Do you do you have do you have any any of the who put it up on the board and was correct? I don't. <laughs> no, um, none I of that? that. You didn't want to address that. <laughs> I I feel like since you want to uh, you want to address it, you have something you want to say. So I, I'm gonna let you go. Really, um, it it is that a certain individual did not need to perish to bring Andor to the to the rebellion because that was the I mean yeah. the conversation from last week was. Who's enough? And I posited that Mara was enough. Yeah. And she, and Mara plus all the other bullshit that he's dealt with up to this point, and that was enough. I I liked that it wasn't like oh this this you know, manifesto. It's it's just touched my heart so much that I have to join the rebellion. That it was it was all the little pieces, like all the little the the million little things that happen throughout your day that lead you to this point. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess to to right. <laughs> pause it on the the show, a million little things, which is great. <laughs> but it's like that's the point of that show. It's like there's there's these million little things that happen every single day that lead you to where you're at, and that's that's where he where he got like the you know finally Mara's gone. He wasn't there to help her. He wasn't there to to do anything to even say goodbye, and that's what eventually like all of those million little things got him to the point where he's like fuck it let's go like fuck it i'm in let's go like he didn't need it didn't why am i blank I, i'm just blanking on his name again you didn't, you didn't need luthan to die to yeah. to do that and now i guess a couple of weeks ago you had posited maybe he's he's going to teach him the ways of spycraft kind of thing um and that's that's where we're gonna like he gets a i what what did they say they're gonna do it, however many episodes it is, it's like it skips uh, skips a few months, or so, you're only going to get like yeah. a weekend, a weekend essentially. So um, we have finally we have official confirmation on this. But um, I, I do want to say I hit it on the board. You did correct, correct you did. on yeah. the board, huzzah! Anyway, I, I and I like the way they did that, which was i guess more more the point than i than i was right um, it was it it felt it felt earned how they how they brought him in and that we're gonna we're hopefully gonna get to see the storyline that you were positing because i think that will be cool to see how does jason Bourne of star wars get trained i think that tony gilroy so tony gilroy gave an interview with the hollywood reporter after the finale all right so that's so how good. we um and gilroy says 
that the okay so there's a couple things here to to point out but first of all um he says that um andor will never know that he actually helped create the the death star um the show will not create new scenes within the rogue one time frame so we're going to progress good. Linearly, linearly um there will be a time jump and where he said it's approximately two years um so Season two will be spread out about four uh, across four years and that every three years, every three episodes is going to cover a year of Andor's life. Um, and that I loved, how, I loved how they're going. They're, he talked about doing that because when you think about a year, you think, oh, Jesus Christ, they're going to three episodes. It's going to be so like just it's going to be so season eight of Game of Thrones. Uh, but no, like jumping into here's three days like here's you know january 7th 8th and 9th and then we're going to jump another year for the now we're in march of the next year or whatever it is i think that's a super cool idea hbo did a a show about this about a family um you watched one family progress you know every decade it was like each episode was a was a a decade and it's blanking on um episode was a decade And I said, that's not six feet under. No, it was called Years and Years. Huh. Uh, and it was a miniseries, actually, that aired on... Yep, this is it. Um, it, it aired on, on HBO back in 2019, actually. Um, so the, the slug line of this was four episodes. Um, but the slug line, just very quickly, um, is that as Britain changes over the decades, the lives of a typical busy, busy family from Manchester converge on one crucial night in 2019. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. It is fan-freaking-tastic. Um, it is a show that I adored watching how, you know, this this particular, you know, writer thought that things would progress in the future, some of which has actually happened, um, I would point out. <laughs> oh, but uh, so Tony Tony Gilroy does go on to say that season two will be more about how the disparate rebel factions come together to form something greater, which I think you know is is hell yes <laughs> pretty easy to, to guess that we were heading this direction. Um, but he says, you know, how do you cooperate when your business is paranoia? How do you collaborate when paranoia and secret are your product? And how does the empire exploit those differences? Um, which found sounds like Major Partagaz and Deidre are going to have a huge role. Um, that sounds so yeah. exciting. <laughs> um, but he did say, and I thought this was important to say, so we can, you know, we don't have to have this debate over the next two years. Um, he says the one thing that you don't need to question is Cassian's loyalty to the cause. Loyalty to the cause. He's in. He's committed. So now, what do you do with him? Um, which I think is their way of saying like. Season one was how do you point this loaded gun? Exactly. Right. Like you have a weapon, you know, he is good at what he does. What are you going to do with him now? Right. Like, how are you going to, how are you going to use him? Um, Which I think is the question that unfortunately we now have arrived at the end of season one. And now have to wait two years to find out what are they going to do with him for two years while we wait for this shit to be answered. Um, <sighs> but I would point out um, that conveniently, um, today is actually the two year anniversary of chapter 13. Um, so 
it might seem like we have a really long time to wait, but you know, we're gonna get there. It's gonna be brilliant. We'll do it gonna, together. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna get there. It's a long freaking time until we get there. Well, hopefully, we'll see y'all at Comic Con when we're on one of the panels in two years. I certainly like to think that you know by that point we would be. Um, but we have, I believe, officially at the end of our of our coverage of Andor. Um, I can I can confidently say this is, if not the best in the top five for me of Star Wars. Um, Easily. Easily in the top five. Some of the movies, it's better than it's better than a lot. Um, it's different. It's not for everybody. It's it's not. But for those of us who enjoyed it, I think we love it. And I think we have an undying loyalty to it. Um, so. I can agree with that. With that snark, um, I think we've arrived at the end of us talking about Andor. Which, uh, shedding a, so we'll a tear right now yeah uh, the longer the longer we talk and just pine <laughs> over how long it is the closer we are to to the next season of indoor <laughs> but i i don't suppose anyone else wants to wants to listen to that we can we can always do this part on our own time so i will say um you know as to the question of what is the next show we're going to talk about we don't uh, know we haven't really oh, decided we? that. Yet. Um, so next week will be a surprise. Yeah. Um, uh, there are, uh, let's see, there are, how many weeks are there before the end of the year? We will be watching uh, Bad Batch when it premieres in January. So January 4th, Bad Batch will premiere. So we basically have the month of December. Um, you know, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to go back to Rebels? Are we finally going to get to Avatar? Uh, <laughs> I think I can maybe I could put a percentage on which of those we would we would watch um, just right now. I'm going to watch Avatar. Things might change between now and and, uh, the next time you hear us. But uh, we uh, we don't know. So we'll let you know when when you join us next week. uh, (laughs) You'll know you'll know when we. Um, But I think for now, um, we're going to leave it where we are and we're going to let the snark take us out as he always does. May the force be with you. Okay. All right. What? Hey, uh, <laughs> just want to say, there we go. Uh, thank you guys very much for sticking with us through Andor. Uh, we will be back with you guys real soon. Y'all have a great week.